Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank, Resource Management LLC, and Luba Workers Comp. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me for Out to Lunch. You know, one of the wonderful things about living in New Orleans is the way we treat each other as equals. Famous musicians wait in line at the supermarket. Drew Brees takes his own mail to the post office. And superstars of business walk around largely unrecognized. Two of these exceptional New Orleanians are my guests on Out to Lunch today. Bobby Savoy is CEO of Geosent, a technology and engineering firm whose clients range from the U.S. government to the oil and gas industry. Among other extraordinary accomplishments, which we will get to, Geosense's contribution to the aerospace industry has earned Bobby Savoy NASA's highest honor, the Distinguished Public Service Medal. Past recipients have included Carl Sagan and Neil deGrasse Tyson. Bobby, welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. Pleasure to be here. My other guest is also colonizing space. Uh, Jay Monroe is chairman of the board and CEO of Global Star. Global Star has a constellation of orbiting satellites that supply over 120 countries with mobile voice and data services. Now, Global Star's communication network covers 80% of the Earth's surface, basically the entire planet except for the polar ice caps. Uh, Jay, welcome to lunch. You don't, you know, so unless you were going to contact Santa, you, you're fine. Yeah. So we you we often do. say that we don't think very many polar bears use our service right. anyway, so <laughs> we're fine leaving the ice caps alone. That is great. Happy with 80%. The, uh, now, I've got two guys on here with IQs that could boil water, which is really pretty amazing. Uh, uh, Jay, you're a leader in an industry that is vital to almost everybody on Earth. I mean, guess we probably could survive without cell phones and international satellite communication, but we've become so dependent on it that the global economy would crash before we managed to adapt. As a local business, it's not like you go buy a bunch of satellites off a guy in Kenner and fire them into space with a bottle rocket. Uh, could you give us an idea of what you do and, and frankly, how you got into this? Well, I backed into it. I'll leave that out for another time. <laughs> but, but the way that you go about this is you build satellites. We launched these satellites, uh, eight satellites at a time, have repopulated a constellation with uh, 24 new ones at a cost of about a billion dollars. Uh, so it's a major undertaking. It's, uh, in our case, it would, took us six years to go through that repopulation cycle. So it's a, it's a long um, and delicate process. Uh, were, are these launched from Covington? Um, I wish. <laughs> As they were launched, they did have Covington's uh, drafted all over the top of the satellite launch vehicle. Um, but these are actually launched from Kazakhstan using Soyuz rockets, the same rockets that launch, um, the, uh, launch to the International Space Station, including U.S astronauts. Whoa. That is, I mean, in the reading uh, about your company, one of the things that keeps coming up is this, the idea of low Earth orbiting. What, what does that mean? I know Middle Earth is, is something else completely, but <laughs> what is low Earth orbiting? Um, low Earth orbiting in our case is about 800 miles up, and these satellites are constantly in motion, running at something like 23,000 miles an hour. Um, and so rather than have a single satellite positioned over a single spot on the Earth and moving at the same speed as the Earth, 
called geosynchronous satellites generally, um, which, which beam information like DirecTV or Dish TV or something to a dish on the side of your house. These are satellites which are constantly in motion and they provide mobile service. So you wander around with what looks like a satellite phone, excuse me, looks like a cell phone, but it's actually a satellite phone. Uh, and as a result, it's communicating to the satellite, which can be thought of just as a floating cell site in space. You know, I have a friend who does a lot of fishing in the Caribbean, and when I mentioned your company to him, and I didn't know, I didn't think he would know it, he said that you're the people that guide him in. You're the only service that you can get out there. Well, there are a lot of places that where that's the case, and if you think about the thing from a, from a worldwide perspective, 75% of the land mass of the Earth has no service, has no terrestrial uh, wired or wireless service. So in that 75%, which comprises roughly 2 billion people, either living there or working there or playing there, um, all of those people now want connectivity. And you can do it with a satellite phone for a few hundred dollars and a few dollars a month, which many years ago, you know, it was a few thousand dollars and a few dollars a minute. So it's, uh, it's finally of its own. That's terrific. Now, Bobby, you have an amazing story that's impossible to tell in a single paragraph. So let me just start with this. Uh, Geosent was founded in 2008. You went back to school and earned your PhD in 2009. At the same time, you've grown Geosent over 400% to the point where you now have a staff of more than 200 IT specialists and engineers. Uh, Geosend has become an important contributor to the federal government's Department of Defense and Homeland Security, and you're a celebrated key player at NASA and you've had a wide range of commercial clients from the oil and gas industry to healthcare. There may be, it's not a simple answer to the question I'm about to ask, but really, how has a country boy from Louisiana pulled this off? <laughs> <laughs> Through a lot of hard work. Um, this is actually uh, the third company that uh, we've uh, been able to start and, and successfully build. And the other two you, s you sold at a certain uh, point? Yes, the, the largest one uh, was uh, about 125 million in revenue and a thousand people, which we sold in 2004. Um, and while I was off during my non-compete period after the transition, uh, that's when I went back to finally get my doctorate. I quit working on my doctorate in 1981. And you picked it up again? I was broke and I was getting married and I said, <laughs> one day I'll go back. I didn't think it would take 28 years, but um, it's... Uh, and again, uh, to follow what was said earlier, I uh, kind of backed into that. I started working in the commercial nuclear industry um, yeah, with Louisiana Power and Light building the Waterford nuclear plant, designed a couple of uh, computer systems uh, that got national attention uh, while at LPNL, and then in 1986, started a one-person consulting company, um, and we went ar around the country doing uh, the same type of work we were doing for Waterford, which was uh, 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 licensing and bringing online nuclear power plants. Um, uh, and then uh, as the commercial nuclear business began to go downhill, um, we transitioned to doing more work for the federal government's nuclear programs, which led us, and I say we, uh, went from a one-person company to a lot more people at that point. Um, uh, and I learned that if I had employees uh, and I could build them out, then I could make more money than just 
Billy my own time. Very good model. Uh, <laughs> in any case, the, uh, we really sold experience and brain power, man hours. Um, took several years to transition to working for the U.S. government, for the Department of Energy, and, but we were then able to uh, break into uh, radioisotopes, weapons, waste, um, nonproliferation, that led to doing more defense and intelligence work, and um, the company went through a lot of ups and downs. We were almost broke a couple of times, but um, uh, again, just a lot of hard work and never giving up. Uh, we eventually made it and were able to grow quite an extraordinary company. And you're so, kind of a serial entrepreneur, aren't you, Bob? I mean, you and I didn't ever mean to be. It's just something <laughs> I, I truly enjoyed doing. I actually took a year off to, uh, after selling SEA to determine what I wanted to do with my life um, when I was 50 years old and uh, decided that I liked what I was doing. So uh, acquired another local IT company, added the engineering capability into it. Uh, that was about an 80-person company in 2000, August 2008. And, we're 250 people and, um, and growing rapidly. We actually do a lot of work um, with NASA, as you mentioned, um, and you were asking about low Earth orbit. Well, we're working on uh, low Earth orbit is considered LEO. We're working on BEO, beyond Earth orbit. Um, the uh, space shuttle, for example, was designed specifically to service low Earth orbit. And we don't currently have anything like the Apollo uh, or, or the Saturn V rockets that can go beyond Earth orbit. Uh, we're actually working with Boeing on the design of the next generation space launch system that will allow us to go beyond Earth orbit, which then takes us back to the moon and beyond uh, Hopefully the steps will be the moon, then uh, an asteroid, uh, and then Mars. That's, wow. Uh, that is, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to get there. We certainly have the technology and the knowledge to do so. I think I undersold this show in the intro. We didn't think we'd get to Mars. This is, uh, yeah, so this is terrific. They, uh, I, I, feel, I feel so paltry. We're just parked at 800 miles. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you something, because one of the things that I know a listener's probably thinking right now is, is uh, I didn't know this kind of thing was in New Orleans, and um, is it growing? And in other words, are things better now in the technology segment uh, of, of business than in previous years? Well, uh, for Global Star, undoubtedly. I mean, Global Star moved here from Silicon Valley, uh, and we acquired a small company in uh, in Louisiana. Uh, and rather than bring that company into Silicon Valley and try and absorb them, we looked around and said, this is a great company with wonderful people. Let's take um, Global Star and move it into the company that we acquired. And so we reconstituted Global Star, retaining just satellite operations in California. And for us, it's been a godsend. We find the people that we want. Um, we find uh, the attitude that we love. Uh, and have had not a whit of a problem up to now uh, getting the right people to work at Global Star. I'm inside Louisiana. I mean, we're just north of the lake in Covington, and so our challenge is that one piece of geography 
Um, you know, half of our people are from New Orleans, half of them are from north of the lake. Um, but beyond that, we could not be any happier. No, that is great. And Bobby, you've been in technology for a long time. How has it changed, the, the environment here? It has improved dramatically. Um, and Global Store is a great example. An outstanding company, and the fact that they would move into Louisiana would have been unheard of 10 right. years ago. Um, we have, uh, particularly since Katrina, I mean, it, it, it's hard to think of Katrina as a blessing because it certainly wasn't at the time. But uh, when we were building our previous company, uh, I had a very difficult time attracting people to Louisiana, uh, in part because we were the only really large IT company in the state of Louisiana and the only one doing the type of work we were doing. So uh, people were afraid that if things didn't work out with us, there wasn't anywhere else to go. Um, and there was concern about the school system and crime, et cetera, all the things you hear about Louisiana. Uh, since Katrina, we've had so many young people moving into the state wanting to come in and help rebuild a beautiful old city of New Orleans. And what they've done is bring in ideas and energy and excitement, and they've rebuilt the heart and soul of the city. Um, and what's followed is a, a great influx of young entrepreneurs. It's easier now for us to attract people to Louisiana, uh, companies, individuals, uh, suppliers, you name it. Uh, the business atmosphere, uh, the education system, the, the attitude. We've always had the work ethic, um, but we now have a much uh, finer image to go with that. Uh, and it really has, uh, has changed dramatically, the technology uh, focus of the state. Great, now we're going to have the checklist part of the show, and that's where I ask a couple of questions that you probably wouldn't find on a, on a loan application. So I'll, uh, I'll start off with uh, Bobby. Bobby, when you hire, what questions do you ask? Um, depends on the positions, but primarily, um, we will have our uh, technology personnel actually uh, put the candidates through a series of tests and have them work technical problems that are designed specifically to determine if they have the type of knowledge that their resume says they have. <laughs> that would be good, yeah. So we basically uh, have them take a, a uh, test, um, and that's particularly focused on our IT personnel, um, most of which are here in Louisiana, but we're, we have offices in five other states, and uh, the majority of our engineering is run out of Huntsville, Alabama, because of the Redstone Arsenal and Marshall Space Flight Center, although we are now hiring uh, quite a few engineers uh, here because we're spinning up operations at the Michoud Assembly Facility. Jay, um, what was your first job? I worked for the George Engine Company in Harvey, Louisiana. George Frierson's company at that point. What'd you do over there? Uh, you know, um, I, I did it all. I climbed down in the hull of more nasty boats um, and, you know, yanked the heads off of more Detroit diesel engines than I care to think about. 
but it was a it was a terrific learning experience, and uh, I, I learned uh, the Louisiana work ethic, which was slightly different than the Cincinnati Ohio work ethic, <laughs> you, which in, and and did that in in uh, in full force back in the late seventies. Wow, and it's the uh, pay it forward part of this show where we ask our guests to generously use their experience and expertise to help an entrepreneur with a new or small business. Now today, we're talking about Gulf Coast Special Systems. It's a disabled veteran-owned enterprise specializing in the design, installation, and service of fire alarms, security, surveillance cameras, intercom, and telephones and other systems in and around the New Orleans area. Now, owner Jesse Schmidt is a graduate of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program, and he has an interesting marketing and really a business ethics problem. He says that the big guys in his business advertise deals that look great, but after customers sign up, they find there are a lot of hidden costs, and even if they want to change companies, they discover that they're locked into a specific kind of security system that won't work with any other provider. And Jesse writes to us to ask, how does a small, independent company market itself smartly to compete with the larger national companies and their attractive but sometimes misleading marketing machine. Uh, Jay and Bobby, uh, this is David versus Goliath, uh, and I guess it's not uncommon, but what are your thoughts for Jesse? Um, I think Jesse sticks with his story that um, uh, he has a system that uh, can be monitored by his company, or if for whatever reason, uh, the people who or his clients want to switch to someone else uh, they can do so. I think that is a great story. It, it's putting what's right for the customer above um, the deceptive marketing practices. I think most customers are going to respond to that very positively. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised as he uh, gains uh, more exposure if he doesn't attract customers from other uh, from other firms, from his com giant competitors. Positive word of mouth uh, that, gets out there? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard, and I've done the same thing, David versus Goliath, us competing against Lockheed Martin, but <laughs> you just have to stick with what you know and don't give up. I, I think he has a great story to tell, and, and it's told very well on his website. You know, Well, Jay, you've taken a look too. What do you think? Um, two things. First, I echo what Bobby is saying because he definitely better stick to his mission and uh, just go grind it out and make sure that every single customer that he sells something to, he gets two more customer referrals from them so that he knows where to go because if he's doing what he says he is able to do, his customers will give him his next customer. And I think that's critical. Um, but secondly, I would be thinking about how to turn this whole thing on the bad guys. Um, and what I would be doing is asking myself whether there is some piece of technology that he can invent which would allow him to be the link and therefore monitor anybody else's system. And since those guys are trying to tell the customers that, that the, the, the system that they installed is proprietary, can never be altered, um, if he could alter that so that that system could communicate with his dispatch center, then he's in a position to go around to all of those dissatisfied customers of the other competitors and offer a solution. And if they're dissatisfied, they're looking for one. That is very, very good Absolutely. advice. I can see why you guys have made it so far. That's <laughs> Jay Monroe, Bobby Savoy. We've come to the end of lunch and we've barely scratched the surface of what you guys and your companies are up to. 
I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be here. I hope we can entice you to come back sometime. Uh, thank you both for joining me on Out to Lunch. Good pleasure. Thanks, Peter. Thank you, Peter. Uh, this has been terrific. Uh, they, my guests on Out to Lunch today have been Jay Monroe. He's chairman of the board and CEO of Global Star, and Bobby Savoy, the CEO of Geosent. Uh, to find out more about Jay's orbiting satellites or Bobby's technology and engineering adventures, uh, follow the links on our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. The show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. The star-spangled Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. He you can get this show as a podcast, and you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsneworleans.com and www.no.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Aeros Studio monitors, and more. More information about Baton Rouge-based PreSonus is online at PreSonus.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. I look forward to meeting you again next week for Out to Lunch around the table here at Commander's Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, online at joneswalker.com. Additional support provided by Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank, Resource Management LLC, and Luba Workers Comp.